DAB Plus online via the Talksport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on Talksport 2. Welcome to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 as the Foxes continue their 100% record in the Championship. For the fourth successive league game, Leicester score a late goal to wrap up the points. It was Casey McIntyre who was the hero today. His second league start for the Foxes. So him grab a double that sends Leicester to the top of the league. There's growing concern for Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough who were winless in their last nine games. There's a lot more things to, um, to think about but at this stage, my head's fully on the positives and encouraged by what we've seen. And we'll also discuss Charlton Athletic being the first club this season to sack their manager as Dean Holden leaves through the exit door. We'll also dive into League Two where Colchester United pulled off a stunning shock. There's lots for myself and Sam Parkin to get through over the next hour. This is EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. It was another busy weekend uh, in the EFL up and down the country. Um, Sam Parkin joins me in the studio. How are you, mate? I'm all right, Hugh. How you doing? I'm okay. I mean, Good. I'm already destroying the studio early on in the show, so it's a positive start in terms of the next hour. But um, no, there is a lot to get through. Um, and there were bit, there, it seems like every single week there are pretty interesting little dynamics beginning to emerge um, throughout the leagues, really. But when you look at the championship, I think certain things are, are becoming clearer. I, I wanted to start this week with Leicester City, Namely, the kind of the style of football they maintain their one hundred percent record in the championship, and it's almost looking like you're watching a team that's definitely going up. Yeah, I've been talking about it in the, the Premier League in in recent days. The the benefit of having good coaching and how much that can impact individuals. I think we're seeing that at Leicester City straight away. The, the style of play, the, the the players have adopted it very, very quickly. Seems to be a real understanding. I think it helps having the financial backing that you get when you fall out of the, the Premier League, the type of signings, the type of money that's being talked about. Clearly, not every team has that luxury, but that blend, I think, with the emergence of a few young players at this early point of the season has been a real highlight for the Leicester City fans. And they've done every victory won every game by the odd goal um so they'll be wanting to be a little bit more clinical maybe I don't think they were particularly good going forward at Rotherham the other day but a lot of late goals a lot of impact from substitutes I think goals and assists already um from players that have come on to change games and that shows you they've got the depth that shows you they've got the fitness and more than anything what I've seen in the opening weeks is a defined style of play which maybe they'd gone away from certainly latterly under under Dean Smith um, when he got the gig after Brendan Rodgers. They beat Rotherham by two goals to one. Both of the goals coming from Casey McAteer. First goals for the club. Special day for him uh, and his family. And it was, uh, I think, another example of just how well Leicester are already playing. And um, we'll see how, I, I guess, the end of the transfer window affects some of these teams that have come out of the Premier League in terms of what their squad mm. is looking like. But I think the positives, as you mentioned, are you know the ones that are emerging, the young players, will certainly be there. They might lose some of the household names, if you like. But... Um, I think so far it has been really good. So Enzo Maresca, the manager, who's that coach you mentioned, the coaching style, uh, having worked with Pep Guardiola, seems to be settling in. The perfect record extending itself at Rotherham. Mark Wilson caught up with the Leicester boss. He said he isn't getting carried away despite their impressive form so far. It's early days. So, yeah, no, it's a uh, big, 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 many, many, many games to play. We are happy now, but... Uh, 
we're going to continue to work and to see all the things that we need to improve. Is it going to be a busy week for Leicester, do you think, in the transfer market? I think it will be a busy week for all the clubs because at the end, one out, one inside, two out, two inside, I don't know. But I think uh, for all the clubs, this week will be quite busy. So we're already hearing uh, talk that Timothy Castagna, for example, will be moving to Fulham. But again, you should expect there's going to be a little bit of movement in that Leicester City squad. So can the impressive start possibly get derailed, mm. Sam, by a lot of changes this week? Or do you think it's kind of important that the club does bring in a few more players strengthened in a couple of areas? I think it's vitally important. I think he's been pretty forthright, you know, with, with, with some of his comments that he, he needs further additions. Um so yeah, it's been a it's been a real I'd say interesting but also challenging start to the season for the three relegated sides because of all the speculation around some of their top players. And having spoken to a few members of staff at the clubs, it's difficult when you're trying to put on sessions and trying to prepare for games. And we saw how better leads were. Um, suited at the, the weekend to performing when they had some of their, their best players available. So they'll want the window to close. But yeah, I think for Leicester, they're going to lose one or two. I think indeed he looks like he could be off Castagna. Speculation about Dakar. And I think there is some, I wouldn't say holes in the squad, but some areas that are, that are clearly weaker than others. So I think probably another striker if Dakar was to depart. Uh, maybe another creative midfield player because I don't think indeed he's maybe the right person for that role. Brilliant player as he is mm. and obviously would have a role to play this season but maybe a bit more of a creative force in there as well. So, mm. yeah, I expect I expect a lot of business still at Leicester in and out. Strong links today. Uh, Wilfred Ndidi, who you just mentioned, uh, moving to Nottingham Forest. So we'll see how that one pans out over the, the rest of the week as well. But there should be changes. Um, and, and I think, Sam, this is the earliest we're going to speak about a team that wasn't in the Premier League last season on EFL All Access this season. So let's dive in with Norwich City next because they're second in the table. They've had an unbeaten start. In fact, it's their best start to a league campaign since 2002. Went to Huddersfield, 1-4-0. Josh Sargent scoring the uh, early first goal. Um, unfortunately, seemed to be really badly injured with his ankle. We, we wish him all the best. Maybe that will have an effect on the team because he started the season positively as well. But just generally speaking, David Wagner, you know, getting the best out of this side early on. Yeah, I think, let's get it right, second and third position straight off the bat, Norwich and, and Birmingham, the two surprise packages straight off. I know it's only four games in, but I don't think anyone envisaged Norwich having a tilt, probably automatic promotion mm. this year, given how bad they were for the last dozen games or so last season. So, yeah, it's been really exciting. I think uh, a colossal change, really, from what you saw under Daniel Farker for a number of years. This is a team that are kind of happy to give up the ball to a degree and, and are just ferocious on the counter-attack. So they've been really brave with their, their setup, got great energy getting forward, and they've moved in the transfer market quite cleverly some people were probably not overawed by what they did but what they did was added quite experience Ashley Barnes Duffy Jack Stacey through the spine of the team and um, I think in the case of someone like Josh Sargent I know it looks like he's going to be injured now but he's had a look at it the last year or whatever he's been at the club um, he's settled I think he would have been a good shout we're waiting to see the extent of his injury a good shout for 20 goals this year mm. you know he's looking sharp um he knows what it takes, knows the club, knows, knows the level that he's playing at now. So that's going to be a blow. And if we're talking about the last few days of the transfer window, that'll be fascinating to see if they move in that department to to replace him and and I suppose show their intent. That mm. would 
that would show a great level of intent, intent if they went already and, and paid a few quid to bring in another centre forward. What a start, by the way, by the midfielder Jonathan oh. Rowe. Uh, hadn't scored a senior goal before this season. He's got five in five games in league and cup. That's remarkable. Yeah, all different types of goals as well. Looks pretty two-footed. Mm. Thinking of the one on the opening day, cutting off the right, smashed that in with his left. Scored a beautiful curler off the other foot. He's getting headers. He looks the complete attacking midfield player, doesn't he? Um, so, incredible start to the season for him. They might as well give him the the trophy now for the for the player of the month. <laughs> um, given, I think he played ninety odd minutes last year, wasn't it, because of injury? So, mm. yeah, he's a big reason for the, the 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 amazing start to the season. But I like the midfield as well. Sarah and and Kenny McLean. They seem to have a lovely relationship balance between him where Kenny can sit in between the centre halves and Sarah can be a bit more box to box so yeah this has taken everyone by surprise um, and, and probably takes some getting used to as well for the Norwich supporters because it's a very different style I would say to what they they had under Daniel Farker but I'm sure they're really enjoying it yeah absolutely uh, you mentioned Birmingham City uh, there another win for them third in the table as you said Jay Stansfield signed what Friday was it I mean the next day um you know, coming on to score a last-minute winner, but he took it so, so well. He could be a real coup, couldn't he? Yeah, I think they've they done really exciting business, Birmingham. My one question mark, and I'm not saying that young Jay Stansfield's going to be the person definitely to arrest these worries, but I'd be concerned about the goals, you know, where they're going to cut. Are they going to get enough to seriously challenge? So he's going to help in that regard. But I think he's such a talented um, kind of live wire of a player that he can play anywhere across the front so his versatility I think will be um, really helpful for John Eustace and it was a brilliant goal brilliant goal against Plymouth obviously you know he's a, he's an Exeter lad so mm. he would have enjoyed that immensely sensational goal amazing noise at St Andrews I've never seen John Eustace that emotive yeah, yeah. as well he's calm uh, very methodical very professional guy um, you've got a lot of time for him really thrilled that they've started in this regard but that would be the one question mark because Hogan, Yukovic, Cosgrove, I think still there, although being linked with moves and, and Stansfield now, are they going to be enough to propel them from a team that's um, been in the lower echelons of the league for, what, best part of seven, eight seasons to a team that can challenge? We'll just, see. Just thinking about them trying to ride that wave, the energy that they built, particularly at home, you know, that could be something that they kind of keep as the basis of a really positive season, that home form. Because as you said, St Andrews seems to be every single time they play at home, absolutely rocking at the moment because of the takeover the positivity and maybe just the hope energy that's that's moving forward with the club that's something that they could use to their advantage yeah and you go to so many grounds you know covering games in this job and I've I felt a real apathy towards the club from the supporters at St Andrews the last few times I've been there you know finishing 17th 18th in the table the ground falling to bits I know that's getting sorted out now but such a well-supported club, such potential there. And obviously, you know, had their years in the Premier League not so long ago. So they needed something to get behind. I think it's a real, um, I think it's a real clever appointment in John Eustace. I know he's been there a while now, but if he gets the back in and he gets better players, I've no doubt that he's a real talented coach and that they could, they could have a go at it this year. I think he was very, very highly respected at, at QPR. He's been, obviously he was a number one, I think, at, Kidderminster previously I think Watford and Swansea have, have tried to take him before Birmingham taking a plunge or more John Eustace taking a plunge because it fitted better for his personal reason so I see that being a good fit and um, defensively not giving anything away if those creative players and likes of Stansfield can have cracking seasons then they could really surprise everyone 
Let's talk about the big game, if you like, in the championship uh, this weekend next. Uh, Leeds taking on Ipswich. 4-3 thriller at Portman Road, uh, which, of course, uh, Leeds United won. Um, it was... They had, they had won, of course, their first three games, Ipswich. Um, but it, it was one of those games where you felt, had they gone and beaten Leeds, we'd really be saying Ipswich are in this in terms of the promotion. And, conversely, had Leeds lost this game, we'd kind of be pointing real fingers at, at, at Daniel Farker over their start to the season. In the end, there's real positivity uh, back at Leeds United. Wilfred Nonto back in the team and on the score sheet. Um Jorginho Ruta getting his first for the club. You know, it was a it was an afternoon where lots of things clicked for the right reasons for Leeds. Yeah, I think all supporters going to the game, the Leeds fans would have hoped that this was going to be the the outcome, not in terms of the, the victory, but that front four would have really clicked, and the Ipswich supporters would have been a little bit anxious and a little bit nervous that this could be the day that that could happen. Not to say that they're not a terrifically coached side Ipswich and incredibly impressed and let's not forget that Leeds are going to one of the form sides in the country you know you go back to last season forget about a team that started this season Motor and Ipswich consistently over the last six months nine months have been one of the best teams in the country so tough tough um, fixture for Leeds but just to see those front players purring like that I mean that's mouth-watering for the Leeds support if they can keep hold of them four now I mean, Puro is as good as you're going to get, I would say, as a championship signing this season. Um, that's a really good get for him. Ruta getting his first goal now. That was my pick of the weekend, probably. I mean, absolutely sumptuous goal. So, given his quality, his calibre, hasn't done the business as of yet. That should really kickstart his Leeds career. And we know what the two wide boys can do. So, they probably need a bit more. Um, probably down the spine of the team. I'm talking about the midfield where they're very, very youthful. But, yeah, Daniel Farker's probably... You know, walking into the training ground this morning with a real spring in his step because that's exactly how he... And you know what? How brave of him to put Piro straight in and mm. to put Nonto and Sinistera in the side after what's gone on. I know you want your best players out there, but other managers would have probably just drip-fed those guys back in, went with them all from the off, and it paid off just. Impressed with how he's handled the, the Nonto and Sinistera situations? I think so, and you wouldn't have, maybe from the outside or you know, seeing him over the last couple of years felt that he he maybe had that in him you know he seems like a real good man manager someone who gets everyone on board but seems like he's been quite harsh quite cutthroat there um it looked like Nonto was going to be ostracized for a period but 19 years old you don't kind of want that I know like the contracts and the money always wins out probably with these young talented guys but you probably wouldn't want that reputation to precede you if it was to be a colossal falling out so yeah, it's probably right that he's apologised to the manager and fair play for the manager putting him back in. Let's quickly hear what uh, Daniel Farker has had to say about Wilfred Nonto's future. Of course, linked heavily with at least a loan move to Everton uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, he was asked by TalkSports' Joe Shannon. Well, really was uh, crucial today. It was, was a really good really good goal, also some good good assists and also the workload, especially in the second half when we had to dig in and had to defend. He was uh, was also get there with many, many important situations. So first step uh, he has made was his apologising. Then the second step was a good training week and this why he earned then the spot in the starting lineup. And today, yeah, another good good performance and he can uh, definitely keep going like this. And as far as you're concerned, have you, have you drawn a line under what happened? You, you both move on and you kick on from here? 
yes, otherwise I wouldn't have chosen him uh, to travel with us and, and also for the starting lineup. So, um, yeah, we spoke quite quite open about this topic and that's also right now. No good. Come on, leave the 19-year-old uh, alone with this topic. We had two weeks of discussions anyhow. Uh, he has given a good answer today with a good performance and, and a good goal and we can keep going without uh, having to speak about this topic anymore. So a positive resolution, it seems, for Wilfred Nonto uh, at Leeds United. The fans can bring the positive chance back to the terraces from here on out. Uh, plenty still to discuss uh, in the championship when we return, including events at the Hawthorns. A great afternoon for West Bromwich Albion against Middlesbrough. You're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. All over here in stoppage time, West Bromwich Albion 4, Middlesbrough 2. It's the lonely Sarmiento who's thrashed that into the top corner to bag the points for the baggies. There are things that still we need to keep improving, but always it's better to grow, make the team grow with a positive result than with a negative one. Albion have it back, and they have parity back. Wallace! Obviously big clubs coming up from League One and big clubs coming down from the Premier League, so it feels like this season will definitely be harder than last year. Um, so we'll be one of the teams that will definitely be looking to get in that top six. You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. I'm Hugh Wisencroft, alongside the former Luton and Ipswich striker Sam Parkin. And West Bromwich Albion had a very good day at the weekend. In fact, they've had a very positive start to the championship season. A 4-2 win over Middlesbrough, seventh in the table. Uh, three games unbeaten after they lost on the opening day against Blackburn. But they've now won 12 of their 17 league games at the Hawthorns since Corbrand was appointed as boss last October. Um, I was at this game at the weekend and the control that West Brom had over large parts of the game, I don't think Middlesbrough were that bad, actually, to be honest. The scoreline and conceding four might suggest that, and we'll get to maybe a couple of the errors that cost them. But um, they hit the post through Isaiah Jones later on. They had another couple of half chances. Michael Carrick told me he thought Kipre's opener was a foul as well. So it could have been a, a tighter game, but... In terms of the style of football, the territory, if you like, that that West Brom had in the game, I was really impressed. Um, you know, they were comfortable. They looked like they'd been together for a long, long time. They looked, as you mentioned a little bit earlier on, very, very well coached by Carlos Corbery, and I was impressed. Yeah, that's that, that's him, isn't it? I think I think we've all been impressed since he's been a, a number one at Huddersfield. Um, the different tactics, the the way they could close down games defensively, they were very sound. The creativity from set pieces, that's always going to be a strength of West Bromwich Albion in particular because of the profile of player they've got. So that will continue. I'm sure they'll be, be strong aerially. I think you've got to say now Thomas Asante is looking like a, a really inspired piece of transfer business. There's still a lot more to come from him. And that trio, you know, with Wallace and Swift behind him, if they can get in their groove, they, they, that should be one of the best trios in the in the division, no question. I don't think they're perfect defensively, so I wouldn't be surprised if they they moved in the the last few days of the window just to strengthen them in, in in that regard. And but what they have been so far this year is just incredibly clinical, incredibly clinical because the attacking statistics are quite down on in all regard. I think they're oh, the nineteenth xG for twenty first for shots per game. I mean Middlesbrough's attacking statistics would suggest that. They should have probably picked up as many, if not more, points than than West Brom. So they've been incredibly clinical, and um, yeah, some really bad errors 
from Middlesbrough, but you've got to capitalise on it. And I thought Sarmiento coming on and getting a goal as well. It was a, it was a really good day for, for West Bromwich Albion. And um, having not done loads of business, we've spoken already about it today, having that continuity from last season, a la, you know, some of the players at Norwich that are really coming to the fore, they've not done much business. I, you know, looking at the team, pretty much think they were all there last season. Mm-hmm. So that's work on the training ground and a continuation of some of the good work. I know it wasn't always perfect, but some of the good work that they did last yeah. year. Maybe maybe an indication as to why they've hit the ground running as well, the mm. settled team that they've got. But Carlos Corbren, as you mentioned, will want to make some changes to his squad this week. Might be some enforced changes as well. Um, he, he's kept his eye, he's saying, on the transfer deadline, desperate to improve his squad. Let's hear what he's had to say about it. I want to strengthen the squad, not only from the depth. I think every player that we have, for me, is important. Everyone, I want players that they can be in the first eleven of the team in any type of circumstance, because we know how many guys we are going to play in the championship. We know how demanding this competition is. We know that nowadays we only have rich injury, but we know that the injuries make a massive impact in the football clubs, and that's why we need to keep strength our squad because it's the most important thing that we can do. The results in our future are going to depend are going to depend about how we fix them this week. Now, I think this is going to be an important week uh, in terms of West Brom's season, Sam, maybe in the future of the football club as well. We need to really note that there are ongoing financial struggles behind the scenes at the club. They obviously don't have parachute payments anymore, narrowly missing out on the playoffs last season. Um, The ownership group and the relationship with the fans is at an all-time low. And Carlos Corbran, in his press conference after the game, was kind of alluding to the fact that whatever we do, whatever business we do, may be, you know, may you may see me basically out of this football club. Firstly, if we can't bring anyone in in one hand, but obviously uh, if we're selling all of our best players as well, and given the financial situation, you know, people might be looking at that West Brom squad and thinking they can pick up a, a bargain here or there with the club needing to sell. How important is this week for West Brom for you? Well, I think the most important thing over the last few months was keeping hold of the manager somehow, trying to keep him happy, trying to keep him motivated because I rate him that highly. And I think, you know, to, I wouldn't say achieve, but to have a a decent enough season last year uh, with everything that's going on off the pitch, I know they didn't make it into the into the playoffs, but I still felt that the turnaround under Carlos Corbran was pretty pretty huge. So I think he was imperative to keep hold of him. I, I, I hope that the supporters would, in the majority, echo that. Um, and I suppose the problems off the pitch are probably heightened by what I just said, saying this is the same group of players, really, uh, give or take, that we saw last season. Um, so whether they're strong enough to have a crack at it this year, we'll have to see. I'm sure he'll feel no and that they want a few bodies in. But obviously it's um, it's not... It's not straight straightforward, is it, considering all the upheaval? And I've spoken to supporters there, and I know it's something that's been rumbling on for a long time, but I'm sure with him in charge, if they could just do a couple of little bits of business, he could have them around the playoffs because I rate him that highly. Middlesbrough obviously beaten uh, in the game at West Brom. Do you have any concerns over them without a win so far in the championship this season? We know they made it through to the playoffs last year. Uh, Big changes, of course, in terms of their squad with so many loanies, really impressive loanies last season. But still, we would expect Middlesbrough to be doing better than this. I I think maybe we've all been a little guilty of just looking at where they finished last year, looking at the impact of Michael Carrick and expecting it to happen again. Um, and I think in football sometimes it's quite simplistic. You take away four 
of the best players, maybe five of the best players out of any side and don't replace them immediately and give the coach an opportunity to work with them, this is the result. So this is going to take time, I think. And the positive from the weekend, and I saw his interview, it might have even been with you, Hugh, he was, he was quite chipper in his, in his demeanour. And I think he had reason to be. I thought there was some terrible individual errors. Clearly that cost them goals and cost them the points. But I thought the two new signings, the, the striker looks incredibly sharp. Uh, Latte Lath and uh, Engel, the, the the left back as well, looked like good acquisitions. Um, but that's not going to happen overnight. I think they're a little bit short. Maybe could do with a bit more steel in the middle of the pitch. Maybe uh, another football in centre half to play that the way that Michael Carrick wants to play. But no, I think he's got enough credit in the bank, more than enough credit in the bank with all the decisions he made last year, the run they went on. But. The statistics are not good reading right now, mm. so he he won't be happy because I think it's I think it's eight defeats in fourteen, um, stretching back to the back end of last season, and they they froze a little bit in the playoffs. But no, he he showed more than enough that I would be astonished if all the supporters aren't you know ninety nine point nine percent of them fully behind him. I still think you look at it, and ultimately this week, the end of the transfer window is going to for me be whether Middlesbrough have a good season or not. We're going to get an indication of it if the club wants to go out there and get some decent low knees, that would be great. However, Michael Carrick's basically saying, you know, last year we kind of showed that we can develop players, which is good, but we don't want to develop players for other clubs. So the loan, the the, the raft of loans that we saw last year probably won't happen at Middlesbrough. But if you're going to go out in the last week of the window and get three or four permanent signings, I think that's kind of unlikely now, especially good quality players. So... I think it's going to be. It could be a, a tougher season for Middlesbrough. Yeah, the, the model seems to be thinking outside the box a little bit in terms of the recruitment from overseas. Younger players develop and and probably sell on for for profits, inevitable profits. So it's completely different to the way we're seeing Leeds, probably Southampton in the next few days. Leicester, obviously, the the parachute clubs doing their business. So that's the reality. Middlesbrough aren't going to be shopping in the same in the same. Um, buckets as the, the, these big clubs so they're going to have to box clever Loney's last year Cameron Archer give or take that's probably as good as you can do in terms of business in the championship they had Chubarakpom have a season of, of his life potentially mm. and they're, they're having to replace that and the, the, so they're going to have to box really clever whether they're going to be able to do so I don't know it may be a season of consolidation a, con- uh, uh, a season to build again before they have another go here. But, uh, you know, having spoken to Middlesbrough fans towards the end of last season, they were pinching themselves, pinching themselves. I don't think anyone envisaged them having a run at the playoffs. So that was an incredible achievement. And this will be a little bit of a wake-up call at the moment. But I think in long term, medium to long term, they're going to be absolutely yeah. fine. It's a bit of it's a bit of short-term suffering. It's where the pressure comes on the manager. You can't. It can't. Yeah, it's always tough though, isn't it? Because fans, of course, they get impatient very, very quickly. So best of luck to Michael Carrick. The things turn around very quickly. Elsewhere, Sam, in the championship, uh, Ryan Lowe's Preston are clicking at the moment. 10 points from 12. They beat uh, Swansea 2-1. Swansea, Swansea winless. Uh, and of course, they've lost Joel Perot uh, to Leeds, as we spoke about a little bit earlier on as well. How do you view these two sides at the moment? Well, it's a big win. I think he he made a tactical adjustment, which he he, he credited quite a lot for the um, for the victory. I think in the second half went to a four three three and changed one or two things around. I've always felt with Ryan Lodat, you know, the infancy of his career, it was such a good watch. His teams burying and 
and then Plymouth Argyle and he's he's not been able to really put his stamp on this Preston side I watched them last year a few times live and they were getting some really good results early part of the season defensively amazing but it was a bit of a tough watch mm. at times so I think for him to really I don't know show his best if you like it, it would be about having a bit more a bit more power going forward a bit more excitement a bit more creativity and obviously he's moved in the in in the summer to bring in a few players uh, Will Keane being, being the obvious one who I think is a really good signing mm. um, and the wing backs for him as well have always been really imperative and he's kind of just been fitting players into that role so I think for them to improve he, he probably needed this window uh, and maybe an opportunity to add a few more to get the squad exactly how he likes it but yeah brilliant win I wouldn't be concerned about them at all Swansea on the other hand I think that is a concern when you look at that team I think it lacks a little bit of quality I think it lacks a bit of leadership for, for definite and lacks a bit of experience and the, the squad on the bench you've got Carl Norton you've got Jamie Patterson you've got Joe Allen to name but three so I think there are options for him to to get a little bit of know-how back in there but they look miles away from where they have been and it's too early obviously to judge the manager like I just said but the manager in terms of a fit do I rate Michael Duff? Absolutely I think he's done a brilliant job at two different clubs but he's very different to what Swansea have appointed in the last few years mm-hmm. and I think the football's quite different so this is going to be again a um, a fit that probably needs a little bit of time, but at the moment he probably needs help as well. Yeah. And Russell Martin didn't get that, so we're not privy to the conversations that Michael Duff's had with a hierarchy at Swansea. But if recent history is anything to go by, it's questionable whether he's going to get enough players in. Very quickly, um, Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, also without a win. In fact, they've lost all of their games so far. Late, late Cardiff penalty doing the damage uh, this week. We heard some of the fans, small minority if you like, but um, cha- you know, chanting that they want the chairman out of the club, showing their, uh, you know, their un- un- unpleasure if you like with the fact that Zisco Munoz has come in, Darren Moore obviously left at the end of last season and they haven't hit the ground running. Do they have a right to feel aggrieved at this point? I think so and it's, it's probably right that it's not getting directed at the players and the manager right now. I mean, would I have replaced Darren Moore in the summer? Absolutely not, because of his his achievements. Should he have got promoted with that Sheffield Wednesday side? I would say yes, categorically, but the way they did it, he deserved enormous credit for the semi-final and then they got over the line against Barnsley somehow because I didn't think they were particularly good in the final. So he should have had the opportunity to lead them and now they've changed manager they've changed style they've changed shape they've changed personnel all too soon too quickly and to expect that to happen in two or three weeks for them to start picking up results is completely unreasonable on the new manager that said I think Watford fans would tell you that tactically they they questioned him throughout his tenure there even though he managed to to get them up um, probably due to having some really really top forward players in the in the championship so this is a mess Looking at the personnel at the weekend, he's reintroduced a few players, experienced players that have been at the club, that were there during the promotion, that have been left out in the previous couple of games. So already I think he's probably going back on probably his thought process from the previous week. So uh, it's a mess. And I think it's probably right, Hugh, that questions are asked of the the hierarchy. Whether that's going to change anything, I probably hugely doubt. But it's, it's not on the manager and the players at this moment in time. 
and Watford probably deserved to win this weekend. Uh, they were beaten 1-0 by Blackburn at Vicarage Road, but we just got to mention the goal from Ryan Edges. Um, fantastic finish. Uh, took it past the defender, couple of kick-ups, smashed it in at the near post as well. A sandbarking special? <laughs> I don't know about that. I was, I was not bad with both feet, but he's a funny one, Ryan Hedges, isn't he? Because like, you know, when we covered the championship last year and they had you know, quite a lot of options in the front positions, he always seemed to get a game under mm. the radar. So I'm not doubting his quality, but whether it's his work ethic, his, his attitude that gets him in the side, because he doesn't do this very often. Um, but every now and again, he pops up with a little bit of quality. And yeah, it was an amazing goal. Um, I mean, it was a tough angle once he'd done the keepy up, he's mm. to get in. So to force it in at the near post was a great finish. And, and Blackburn just can continue to be this great enigma that nobody mm. can really get their head around. And I think um, we saw the opening day of the season so capable. I think they beat West Brom, didn't they, comfortably? And then again, winning at Watford, much fancied Watford um, yesterday. So goodness knows where they're going to end up. But yeah, John Dale Thomason, having not brought in a lot of players, it's the likes of Hedges and some younger players that are obviously going to have to carry the mantle. Right, okay, that's the championship dealt with. Up next on EFL All Access, we'll be discussing the first sacking of the season. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access, on TalkSport 2. This is EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. I'm Hugh Wizencroft alongside Sam Parking uh, this week. Um, Sam, we have to talk about the first managerial sacking of the season in the EFL. Dean Holden has left Charlton Athletic. The 43-year-old have been in charge at the Valley since December of last year. They haven't won since they beat Leighton Orient on the opening day of the season. They sit 19th in the table after four straight league defeats. What do you make of this decision, firstly? Uh, harsh, bit of a bit of a mess. A continuation of what we've seen over the last. I wouldn't even be able to hazard a guess at how long the the Charlton Athletic fans have been reeling. But it feels like the best part of a decade that it's just been a mess there off the pitch. So I think a continuation of that. Someone who was backed with I think a two year contract in the in the winter to give him five games irrelevant of the results. I think seems incredibly harsh. And I think. Dean will, I don't, know, I don't want to speak for him. I've sat, you know, in this chair alongside him a couple of times, but you know, maybe the last couple of games haven't been great from his perspective. That said, I thought they made a couple of good signings in the in the summer. Not enough, really. I think it's an inflated wage bill with some players that they still need to try and shift. So uh, whether the new owners are just um, not willing to to part with a bit more money or to strengthen the squad that seems to be the case because I still think it's an under par squad when you look at the other teams that are likely to challenge this season so yeah I think there's there's problems with the squad I think with the balance of the squad and the last couple of games haven't gone particularly well I know they started with five lads under 21 at the weekend I think some through necessity but I think some of the others it was maybe a challenge too far um, and maybe he will regret a couple of those decisions but no, in the main, four games is not nearly long enough for, for for any manager. And some people may say, you know, being highly critical that this is a little bit of a, a continuation of the back end of last season. Um, I know they lost six, didn't they, at, at Ipswich, maybe the final day, and some of the results were, were pretty poor. But I think a lot of this is is deeper than probably who's um, sat in the manager's office right now. 
beaten 2-1 by Oxford United at the weekend as well, who are doing really well. We'll come on to them uh, in a few moments' time. But TalkSport's chief football correspondent, Alex Crook, actually reported uh, that Holden was allegedly sacked via text message. So for fans who are watching on at the moment, in terms of building confidence in them and trust in them that the club is in the right hands or going in the right direction, um, it's that, that kind of story is also a bit of a blow, isn't it? Yeah, in, in any walk of life, I would suggest to be to be let go in, in that fashion is is incredibly disrespectful, isn't it? And and hard to take, I'm sure, for anyone who... Well, I know Dean would have given absolutely everything in that role. I think he's highly motivated. I think he's highly diligent. I think he would have... He, he would have worked all the hours under the sun. He's living away from his family, wasn't he? Um, his family were all up in the northwest, so he would have given that everything. I know how excited he was for that role, and you would be because Charlton potentially is a brilliant club, brilliantly supported club, fantastic stadium. They bring through credible caliber of young players, so there's a lot of good things about that. But it just seems to have been such a mess off the pitch, and this is going back over so many managers. I remember Ben Garner leaving and saying, you know, not that the results are irrelevant, but until things are on, until things are on the straight and narrow, until we have a plan, a concise plan, and people pulling in the same direction, it's pretty irrelevant who the man in the dugout is. And, you know, a friend of mine, Johnny Jackson, obviously didn't get enough time. He did incredible when he first went in, um, was backed, and then pretty much overnight let go as well. So this isn't a one-off. This has been three managers on the bounce now under the stewardship of different people that have been treated in in the same manner. So I feel for him. Um, I hope he can get another role and, and get going again, but it'd be fascinating to see who comes in there next and whether things will change because you you feel that, again, there's going to be further heartache for the Charlton Athletic fans. And as a fan base, listen, I've got no affiliation with them. I never played for them. It's the other side of London from me. I had a good friend who worked there, but you can feel the suffering, feel the yeah, pain, yeah. and you just want them to have a club to be able to get behind them. I know they had that glorious day at Wembley when they beat Sunderland a few years back under Lee Bowyer, but yeah, they need to be challenging up the, the right end of League One, surely, with the yeah. uh, the infrastructure that should be in place at that club. Uh, as I mentioned, Oxford United doing very well. Uh, top of the table in League One, Liam Manning doing a great job, four wins on the bounce, but... Really, I wanted to talk to you about Tyler Goodrum, um, who was fantastic at the weekend and seems to be destined for great things. Yeah, I saw a bit of him last year or two in in cup competitions when I'd been at the Kassam, and yeah, he'd caught my eye a little bit. He'd only made fleeting appearances, I think, under Carl Robinson, if memory serves me right. So brilliant to see him getting a run. The first goal the other day, I think that's the best goal of the weekend. Um, brilliant driving run and the finish. Always looks better when it, Kisses off the underside of the bar. <laughs> Amazing goal. Incredible goal. He's he, he's certainly got that in his armoury. I've seen him score a few special goals already um, for Oxford. The second one as well, very timely. Um, when, when Charlton actually, I think, were, I wouldn't say in the, in the ascendancy, but they had a decent period in the second half, despite you know everything we've just said about Dean Holden and Charlton. So, yeah, he's, um, he's turned into a, a very special young player. And Liam Manning uh, already... His reputation is is back on the up after suffering a little bit latterly at, at MK Dons. I think he's showing, granted, with a decent budget at Oxford. I don't think that that should go without saying. I think they they're being backed the the, the management team at Oxford this year with with some of the wages and the caliber of player they're getting. But yeah, again, a coach who clearly is um, 
has worked wonders in pre-season and it's paying off already. Lots of good performances in League One this season. Exeter up to second. They beat Reading 2-1. Reese Cole's first goal for the club. Uh, Martin Waghorn getting a hat-trick for Derby County in their win over Peterborough. Three and a half years since his last hat-trick, which actually came against his now-manager Paul Warren when he was in charge of Rotherham. Barnsley beating Wigan two goals to nil was um, a, a big result as well. Barnsley's first win since the opening day when they thrashed at Port Vale 7-0. Um, Blackpool winless since the opening day of the season they lost 3-0 to Lincoln as well but I just wanted to mention Leighton Orient in particular who beat Cambridge who were top of the table going into the weekend but that was Orient's first win of the season they hadn't even scored in four of their first five games in all competitions so their fans will be delighted they're a good side Leighton Orient I saw them at at Wickham Um, they lost 3-2 they went down to 10 a couple of Tuesdays ago yeah nothing to concern me about Leighton Orient as well. I'd, obviously, I'd, I know Richie from Richie Wellens from playing against him, and uh, and lastly got to know him at Swindon. They're a really well coached side. They they were unfortunate to lose at Wickham, but this result has been coming. This result's been coming. I like Theo Archibald, one of the wide players. Um, they've got some talented boys there, and the style of football, yeah, no problem at all. I think they'll they'll consolidate at worst this season. So I think it's a little bit of a false position, probably actually Hugh due to about, I think, six or seven have gone down already. I think uh, some of them will probably be back in the squad now. But early part of the season, they were ravaged by injury. So, yeah, that was a, a timely result. It was a Watford Loney, I think, getting the first goal there. So they've been able to do a bit of business as well. Ford, I think it is, um, gets his first goal and they'll be fine or in, yeah. Yeah, I had a little um, a reporter sent to the game this weekend because my mate Adam is a huge Arsenal fan, actually. Took his son Jake to his first game down at Leighton Orient. They live very close by and um, he was so impressed by the style of football yeah. first thing he messaged me he said mm. I was not expecting that quality of football the way that Leighton Orient played today was fantastic yeah, that, we'll be going back so there you go yeah that, that Wickham game actually Wickham obviously changed back in the last season from Gainsworth to Matt Bloomfield and they looked very they got a great result of the weekend but they looked very much a work in progress and you know continuation of what we've been saying tonight when you have that continuity as Orient have had winning the league last year under Richie Wellens taking the nucleus of the squad into the higher division, you could see it. The pattern of play, the style of play, all in cohesion with each other. Wickham still very much a work in progress because they've got a a new manager, in essence a new team. And even though they lost on the night, I came away from that game thinking, Leighton Orient, no problem with that performance at all. They'll be fine. Right, we'll be talking about League Two next. Jumping into all the headlines there, you're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. It's made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. This is EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. I'm Hugh Wizencroft alongside Sam Parkin. Not long to go. Let's quickly discuss um, the big headlines in League 2, if you like. MK Dons at the summit of the table. Uh, We spoke to their manager, Graham Alexander, last week on the show. Really interesting conversation, if you missed it. You know, he described the task in hand for them. It's all about promotion. But um, the 2-1 win over Doncaster this weekend saw them secure four wins out of five. So they're motoring along very, very nicely. You've got a keen eye on MK Dons in terms of promotion? Yeah, I, I, I really rate the manager, I think, first and, and foremost. And the lovely thing for the supporters, I think, and for him, is they've, they've not been brilliant either. And this was another nervy win over over Doncaster. So, 
great response to, I think, defeat at Crawley and um, I would suggest a slightly different style to maybe what they've grown accustomed to at MK Dons. They look like they're going to be really good on the break, probably similar to what I was saying about Norwich earlier with, with Lecco and, and Issa, but those two not on the score sheet at the weekend. So if you can share the goals out as well, um, that, that can only bowl well. So they would have snapped your hand off for this this start to the season. But I think there's more to come from them. Uh, but he's a, he's a very good manager and I think he's been he's been unfortunate in a few jobs to be to let go. So, um, yeah, fancy them to go well. Gillingham, their 100% record yeah. is now gone. And this was truly a shock defeat because Colchester were rock bottom without a point ahead of kickoff. Scored three times in 18 minutes after the break, um, ending the run of four league victories without conceding a goal for Gillingham. Don't forget about that. Weren't just getting results. They haven't even been conceding. How surprised were you with this scoreline? I was, but then you... I think it's easy to take a, a step back and just see how far they've come in such a short period of time. So to expect them just to roll every team over, I know they've been winning by the odd goal, but you know what I mean? To mm-hmm. to emphatically be at the top of the table for the duration is probably not realistic because there was so much work to do last year. I mean, they couldn't... I saw them early part of last season. They were bereft of any confidence. They were had zero goal threat. And yes, that's all improved no end by giving back in and the ability to go and sign people since the new owners have come in. But you've still got to get the right lads in and um, you know implement your style of play and I think they've been really good really good Gillingham I think they've got a terrific squad and a terrific chance this year I think you know playoffs would be a minimum target for, for, for them I'm sure with you know how good they were back in the last season the way they've started but yeah this is a this was an amazing result nobody would have would have seen it I think they lost their best player as well Chamadou one of their best players Colchester went off in this game and there's speculation about his future really good young player I think he's been knocking on the door of a move for a few years under the last few managers. But yeah, Ben Garner's another coach that I've watched closely uh, from his time at, at Swindon, Charlton, and um, he'll get them playing. And I think the, the the performances have probably been better than the results to this point. So not a complete surprise, but the quality of the goals as well, Hugh. I mean, absolutely emphatic, the, the finishes. So some days that happens. Neil Harris mm. would probably be scratching his head and going, do you know what, another day, we weren't at it, but we could have got taken a nil-nil. Colster boys weren't having that three amazing goals Notts County up to fourth 2-1 victory over Tranmere um, Luke Williams seems like he's kind of ironed out the issues that he's had in their opening couple of games David McGoldrick on the score sheet as well that's a big coup for, for the team but um, you're starting to see a Notts County that we kind of predicted before the season could do really great things yeah it sounds like they were very dominant here McGoldrick and uh, Langstaff have, uh, have started pretty well this season where they both got themselves goals if there was any question marks as to whether they were going to be able to hit the ground running um, in, in the league, obviously not from McGoldrick, but um, yeah, I think Luke had a tough day, didn't he, at Sutton United on the opening day and he pulled no punches. And yeah, having again watched these teams and, and spoken to him a few times, it will just be about getting back on the training ground, ironing out those mistakes, sticking to the principles and doing that better. He won't be one for changing. And I think that the, the squad's good there. The squad's good. The momentum is strong. So they're going to challenge this year, I would suggest. And it's been difficult for them and Wrexham adjusting to a degree. But now that they've had a little look at it, um, I'm sure they'll be they'll be in the, the, the top half, I would suggest, and probably push into um, the playoffs again. 
And finally, um, just Swindon Town in front of goal. 15 so far this season. Scored six against Crawley. Jake Young getting four inside 25 minutes. Yeah, I mean, they had Owen Doyle on loan from Bradford a few years ago. And he's, he's another lad who, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to, to fit at, at Valley Parade and allowed to come out on loan. And yeah, it was a unbelievable glut of goals in the in the second half unusual to see Charlie Austin involved in the celebrations and <laughs> and not notching himself but no I think people are really enthused about Michael Flynn he, he's a likeable character I think he he's very honest I think the, the fans at Swindon will really appreciate that approach they may be a bit short defensively I think that's been the criticism obviously they ship five at, at Wrexham so Maybe be looking to bring in another centre half, but I understand that Brewitt for one. Um lad they that was at Liverpool, been out in the States. He's been really good. I think was really good at the weekend. So yeah, I think there's a lot of optimism that this can be a a much better season. But just to, you know, we've spoken about a lot of clubs that are in disarray already mm. to a degree. I think just to have everyone pulling in the same direction, fans and, and managers and players is a real bonus for everyone at Swindon. And yeah, don't don't sniff at a 6-0 either. They don't come around too often. Sam, been a pleasure to be with you uh, once again on EFL All Cheers, Access. Sam. And a reminder, you can listen to us every Monday from 6pm uh, right here on TalkSport 2. You can also listen back to the shows on the TalkSport app and we're available as a podcast. You can download it wherever you get your podcast from. Just search EFL All Access.